0: The following sermon is from 5th Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of 5th Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to fapc.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with 5th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Listen now for God's word to you, as it echoes to us from Exodus chapter 16, beginning with the first verse. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him. What are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Hebrew people escape. They cross the Red Sea, attempting to follow Pharaoh, their tormentor now swims with the fishes. With every step they take, the Israelites put oppression farther and farther behind them. The people are finally free. And so they lived happily ever after, not. Passages like this morning's text drove my fifth grade Sunday school teacher, Mr. Anderman, bananas. Get this, kids, he would say, stabbing the pages of Exodus with his index finger. Pharaoh is crushed. The people make it safely out of Egypt. So, what's the first thing they do? Mr. Anderman always answered his own questions. They start complaining these folks should be down on their knees, thanking God. Instead, they break out the wine. We're hungry. Back in Egypt, we ate barbecue sandwiches on white bread. Now there isn't a McDonald's within a hundred miles of wherever the heck we are. What's the matter with you, Moses? Did you haul us out to this God-forsaken wilderness to watch us die? Down through the years. Mr. Enderman's frustration has stuck with me. In so many ways, my Sunday school teacher was right. After the people leave Egypt, Exodus records a series of stories that all start the same way. First, the people encounter hardship. And next, the people begin to complain. The wilderness it's, it's uncomfortable. The, the ground here is hard. The, the water tastes funny. Food is scarce. Food is really scarce. In the face of these deprivations, the people talk longingly, nostalgically about Egypt. Things were better back there. After crossing the Red Sea, the people sound tired And soft, soft the way new campers sound soft. When they complain, I picture greenhorns grousing on their first backpacking trip. I picture kids in the backseat of the car asking, are we there yet? In case you haven't guessed, this is not my favorite part of Exodus. Typically, I find the complaints in the wilderness section to be downright annoying, typically. I say typically because when it comes to these greenhorns, I think the Spirit may be softening my heart. Why the change? Well, first off, in reading today's text, I was reminded that the title of this sermon series is I Have Heard Their Cry. These words are plastered in big, bold letters on the outside of this church. I chose this title because... Complaining is actually, surprisingly, a central theme in Exodus. In fact, if we rewind to the first chapter of the book, you will remember that the story of Exodus starts when God hears the people's cry. Remarkably, the God we meet in Exodus responds to people's suffering. In the stories we've been reading this fall, God's attentiveness stands in stark contrast to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart is hard as steel. The ruler of Egypt has no compassion. But God does. God hears. God cares. God acts. This is the testimony of Exodus. God is moved by humanity's struggles. Today's scripture reading adds a new wrinkle to this theme. Pharaoh's now out of the picture. The source of the people's oppression is gone. Ding dong, the witch is dead. And yet, the people still complain. Why? Did the Hebrews think a, a new society would would magically appear without a struggle? Maybe, maybe they were a little soft, or maybe they had a legitimate beef. This past week, I started to wonder, are the Hebrews raising a question here that everyone watching this service has posed or wanted to pose to a leader? The question goes like this. If I have to suffer, if I have to endure hardship, Can you promise me, Moses, it's for a good purpose? Can you promise me you have a solid plan? Can you promise you will read the notes that I stuff in the complaint box? Can you promise you will not ignore or dismiss my suffering and my struggles? Can you promise that you will not turn out to be just another pharaoh? In my freshman year in college, I became a fan of the British rock group, The Who. The Who provided me with something that was felt different, I think, than the standard rock band fare. They they were not content simply crooning about young romance. The the Who tackled tough topics and, and they did it with empathy. They wrote songs about loneliness and depression They straight up named The Wasteland many teenagers inhabit day after day. The Who waded into politics, too. In fact, the Who song that made the most lasting impact on me was entitled Won't Get Fooled Again. In the 1970s Pete Townsend wrote a series of songs for a rock opera about a fictional political revolution and in this revolution those in power are overthrown but then nothing really changes the final song in the opera was won't get fooled again its famous chorus goes like this I'll tip my hat to the new constitution take a bow for the new revolution, smile and grin at the change all around, pick up my guitar and play, just like yesterday. Then I'll get down on my knees and pray, we don't get fooled again. When it came to political change, Townsend was a cynic. Too many times he remarked in an interview, I've watched new regimes turn out to be just like the old ones. So he ends the song with the scornful lyric, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Is Townsend right? I I can hear your protests, surely preacher, Surely Moses doesn't belong in the same bucket as Pharaoh. Surely the Hebrew people know that things are better on this side of the Red Sea. Surely they don't want to go back to Egypt. According to Exodus, the people are grateful for their liberation. They celebrate their newfound freedom. But this doesn't mean they have lowered their expectations. In Exodus, the people repeatedly compare the challenges they face in the wilderness to the conditions they faced back in Egypt. In assessing their situation, the Hebrews display no sentimentality. They don't care about partisan politics or high-minded cocktail party discussions about justice. They want results. In other words, the Hebrew people don't want to wander around in the desert, chasing after a prophet on some holy boondoggle. No way! They want to put food on the table for their families. They want to devote their precious energies to building something that matters. And along the way, they want to follow leaders who feel their pain, who appreciate their sacrifices, and who can be entrusted with their hopes for a better tomorrow. This past week, I read an article about America's undecided voters. How, I wondered, how can there be people who are are still undecided as we approach this week's election? In the article, one pollster described the conversations he's been having with the undecided. These are people, he said, who feel caught. They believe that no matter who they vote for, their circumstances will not change. They're convinced that no one out there has their best interests at heart. I feel for these people. I know you do too. Years from now, I'm convinced that One of the lingering terms this pandemic will have left stitched into our vocabulary will be food insecurity. Uh, Among the pictures indelibly stamped in our brains will be snapshots from every corner of America of people lining up at food pantries, people queuing up six feet apart around the block for a midday meal served here at this church. Hunger diminishes people physically, but it doesn't, of course, stop there. Wondering where the next meal will come from wears people down psychologically and spiritually. It leaves a person questioning whether anyone cares, anyone at all. This past week, an older woman standing in line at Fifth Avenue held a ragged cardboard sign that read, nobody knows the troubles I've seen. When the people complain in the wilderness, do we see whiners and ingrates? Or do we see people shouldering real burdens and carrying earnest questions? Moses told the people, God hears your cries, so so we shouldn't be surprised at what happens next. They want to know if it's true. Like Pete Townsend, they look at the wasteland with a dose of cynicism. And like Pete Townsend, that skepticism carries right over into the people's prayers. They pray that the promised land is real. They pray that the leaders standing before them have ears to hear and hearts full of compassion and a workable plan for what comes next. So yes, yes, the Hebrew people had had their fill of Pharaoh. But that doesn't turn these folk into pushovers in fact the whole pharaoh experience has put steel in their backbones we won't get fooled again what happens next you know the answer the exodus answer God responds God hears the people's cries. God provides food for those traveling through the wilderness, and God doesn't stop there. God gives the Israelites something else, something so common, so understated, we we might easily miss it. God says, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. God gives the people food and God also gives the people a calendar. God gives the Hebrews a working week. God provides a pattern for people's days. God gives everyone a job to do and recompense for their labor. God gifts the people with an economy. Oh, it's It's a rudimentary economy. Six days you shall gather and on the seventh you shall rest. It's a a pretty basic system, but it serves as an important signpost on the journey of Exodus. Then, as now, opportunity matters. People's basic economic needs matter. People's ordinary days matter. After, after being liberated from slavery, the first question raised by the Hebrew people is, how can we establish a sustainable economy in the wilderness? And this is no idle complaint. This is the right question. It's a question about survival, and it's also a question about identity. What will we do? Who will we be? Exodus answers, God answers. You will no longer be slaves. You will no longer bow to masters. You will no longer be shaped by that poor Egyptian pattern. You will learn a new pattern of work and rest day after day. As you awake and gather God's providence, you will learn to trust each other And to trust me, week after week, your hearts will be shaped by hard work and generosity. Over time, you will learn what it means to be free. Sometime this next week, sooner rather than later, if God is merciful, we will learn the results of a national election a political contest that has just about torn this country apart. When the results are known, there will be some very happy people in this country and some very sad ones. As the results become clear, I hope, I pray, that Americans will embrace their better angels and refrain from intimidation and looting and every other sort of violence against their neighbors. I hope, I pray that we will extend olive branches to each other. And I hope, I pray, that we will get ready to roll up our sleeves. Because my friends, getting to the other side of the Red Sea and to the other side of November 3rd is not the end of the story. It's time for the real work of Exodus to begin. We have a promised land to imagine and build. We have an economy to restart. We have leaders to hold accountable. We must not be fooled again. Fooled by clickbait, fooled by vitriol, fooled by endless, pointless conflicts that appeal only to our base fears. We have trust to restore, trust with each other, and trust with those who feel forgotten. We have a new calendar to implement, a calendar that Exodus would inscribe on our hearts, a sacred rhythm, a blueprint for living that would have us mark our days by gathering what we need, sharing with each other, and giving thanks to God over and over and over again. Amen. Head into this week, my friends, with Christ's peace in your hearts. Have courage, hold fast to what is good, do not return evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord. Amen.